Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Dustoff, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Today's episode of The Score is brought to you by Best Ever Pads. They're an American product, and you'll learn more about them later in the episode. It's been some 10 years since Cottonwood, California's Justin Davis rode into the box at the Thomas & Mack with Blaine Linwaver. But in that decade, Davis has made two iconic horses, both mares, not too coincidentally, in Little Kim and Shakira. He's won the Columbia River Circuit Finals a couple times, and he's been on the brink of an NFR trip more than once, to no avail. So at 31 years old, Davis is smashing down his hat on a career in sales while seasoning the next great mare to come through his horse program. He and longtime friend Brandon Beers are circuit rodeoing and amateur rodeoing when both men's thriving business careers allow, and they're both using their longtime industry connections to help them excel. Davis stopped to talk to us between visits to feed yards and ranches, and I don't think you'll be disappointed by the conversation. Hello. Hey, Justin. How are you? Good, Charles. How's it going? Good. Thank you for being patient with our absolutely non-existent technology today, which is really frustrating. I don't know why it won't work. I don't either. We tested it a million times this morning to make sure that it worked, and it was all good. And then all of a sudden it was not. But yeah, no big deal. we will make it work this way. This is fine. Just speak clearly. I was like, I told Caitlin, if this doesn't work, like at least Justin is articulate and doesn't sound like an idiot because like somebody that mumbles terribly or has a really, really thick southern accent, for example, would have been a really big challenge to do this with. But, Can't hear him over the phone. Yeah, it would, it would definitely not be clear. But, so, we're doing this over the phone this morning, or this afternoon, because you are out on the road and not out on the road rodeoing. Give our audience kind of a, an idea of what you are up to this year. Well, I have a full-time job now, as we did in our last podcast this spring. I have a, I'm the, I'm the manager of the West Coast for Pro Earth Animal Health which is uh, Zestera and Cattle Active, all-natural drench that neutralizes acid. And so I've been driving around getting ranches and uh, feedlots and different places put on our program. Rodeoing a little bit on the weekends with Brandon Beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of been tough. I actually have been mostly been in Oregon rodeoing. So I've been leaving my trailer and the horse up here, and I go home during the weekdays, and I come back on either Thursday night or Friday morning. That's my one day a week I get to practice, and then we go to the rodeo. And you are practicing not just for yourself, too, because you're on a pretty green horse. Give me a little background right. on that mare. Well, Bliss, little six-year-old roan that I got through Todd Hampton, uh, come from Benny Catrone down in Fresno. Um, yeah, I got her when she was three, started her when she was four, healing on her and just roping the dummy and doing that type of stuff. And she just got a really good mind, and she took to it pretty good. And then I also I sold Shakira last year, so 
I really don't have a choice but to ride that one. But fortunately for me, she's doing very well and taking the pressure pretty good, uh, especially things that I'm not going to practice on, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. She's really surprised me with just standing around for the weekdays and practicing. And on her, she's kind of, that's all she needs is one day, really. It, if After four or five steers, you get her dialed in and you're good to go. Is she so just so cowy? She's kind of like an old horse, but she's six. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, is she just dirty cowy? Like, tell me about her. Tell me a little bit more about her. Yeah, she's pretty cowy. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, she's she's a one-time Pepto as her bloodlines um, out of a mare called Blissful. And uh, so she was made, made to be a reigning cow horse. And uh, that Benny Catron, the guy that owned her, he got cancer and, and he, he passed away the same year I bought her. So I actually bought her from his wife. But Todd Hampton and him were good friends. So Todd had her and he called me and said, hey, I got a three-year-old mare that has got a great mind. She's never been roped on, but she's going to do it. So I trust Todd. Um, we're pretty good friends. And so I took her on and yeah she's been she has not let me down yet she's done really good i've placed on her at the bfi this year with brandon and uh roped with jake stanley it's at the start of the summer we went to some of the circuit rodeos up here in oregon uh like st paul and all those rodeos over the fourth and then i started roping with brandon i actually wrote brandon's horse at uh salinas so that's the other kicker of me and Brandon roping together is he's got a really nice heel horse mare, but she's six years old as well. So, <laughs> so um, I, I, I've got two of them to ride, but they're both six. And so it's kind of, at the moment, we've been seasoning mine, and now we need to start seasoning his a little bit more. So I got both of them to ride come next year. Now, so I've got a couple things to unpack there. So Benny, did he ride before before he passed away? Did he ever ride this mare? Um, yes, I, he actually started her, is what Todd told me. He but did. Then, but then uh, as he got sick, the, the, her three-year-old year, a guy that worked for him was who ended up riding her that year. Well, that kind of makes her a piece of, like, the Western horse culture history because he was a legend, and, I mean, that's got to be one of the last horses that he started and put some rides on, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's got to be because I know when, when Todd called me, Benny and his wife had sold about everything as far as I remember, and they'd kept two mares. And one was actually out of a mare that Todd had. And so Todd took her, and uh, and then I took the other one. So, yeah, that's what I when, – when, when Todd called me, and he's like, here's the deal. There's two horses left over. They're here for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, cool. Uh, they kind of saved the two best ones for, for the end, it sounds like. So, yeah, no, I was – very fortunate to have her. She's so pretty. Everybody just, you know, loves how pretty she is. That's what they usually comment on her. People walk by it and they've seen her work and they just want to buy her because she's so pretty. But um, she, she's just real easy. She's a horse that she, for being her age, you'd think that she would screw up more than she does. But you can put her in kind of some bad spots and she tends to recover. I mean, she's still sick. She's not perfect. She's still got some green areas that we're working on, but we're getting through them as time goes on and honestly the way me and Brandon have been doing it we've been going to some amateur rodeos where the steers are really good and then just a few of the circuit rodeos so I mean we're kind of in uh, seasoning a horse type mode anyway yeah now so the way we're doing it's helping her big time what do you ride her in because Benny got famous or was really famous for riding in Hackamores and his Bozals like what how did you transition her away from that or, or are you riding her in a Hackamore 
No, I've never rode her in a Hackamore. No. Um, at the moment, I'm riding her in a, in a short shank Petska. Gotcha. And um, I have also rode her in a less boat. It's a solid, uh, solid mouthpiece with a small port with a roller in it. It's kind of a good transition bit, especially if a horse has a lot of flex. Um, they don't necessarily need something that's going to help them flex. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of flex at the beginning and kind of naturally cowed up to them there and bent her neck. And so I put that bit on her for probably six months. And then the last six months I've been riding uh, that Pesca short shank chain port. So how does the seasoning process right now fit into your goals for next year and beyond? The way we've been going about it has been absolutely perfect for her because I haven't been hauling her really hard. You know, she's it's been easy on her. So uh, I think going into next year and the way that I've been doing it here lately has proven to me that I can, if I got to send my horse with Brandon this winter to Arizona and I got to fly to some of the rodeos, I think Brandon can keep her in shape and rope on her once or twice a week and she'll be ready to go when I get to the rodeos. So are you saying so you're making her? Usually you need an old horse to do that. So. You're making her pretty dummy proof for Brandon? You can't mess her up? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing, exactly. <laughs> I'll tell I, don't, I don't know how much he needs to heal on her. He's just, he'll, but he can lead her around and pony on her. <laughs> heal on her a couple times a week on the slow ones. He's pretty proud of his healing. Don't tease him too bad. <laughs> no, he's, no, no. He's pretty solid nine hitter. I'll give him that. That's awesome. So you're going to go to some winter rodeos. Tell me game plans for next year beyond flying in and out to some winter rodeos in Arizona. Well, I think both of us want to do it more than we actually have time to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Brandon's very busy, too. He's got all these steers. He's got Mexican cattle all over the place. He's got the contracts, all the rodeos, and he's got these World Series ropings and actual ropings. I mean, just last week he had the steers at Walla Walla. Had the steers at Lakeview at the rodeo, had a jackpot in Lakeview, had the steers at the West Star Open in Ellensburg. I mean, he's so he's very busy himself. Yeah. So, but he's going to go to Arizona regardless in the wintertime. And so, um, what we're thinking is we're not qualified to go to San Antonio, Houston, which kind of stinks, but it is what it is. So, if we can go to Denver and Fort Worth and San Angelo and, you know, whatever we can get into in Tucson, of course, and Austin. Yeah. and make it work where we can go to four or five winter rodeos. Then come springtime, all the rodeos come to us anyway in California, so we'll rodeo in the spring regardless. So if we can get lucky and win something in the wintertime and have a little bit of money won to go into the spring, then we'll play it from there. You know, it's gonna We're not going to be the guys that are chasing it with what we got going on, so it's going to have to be something where we have a good winter and a good spring, and if we got money won and we're up there in the top 15, then we'll put our name down the month of July and try it on. Yeah, you guys, you're almost, we can almost say that you've made the circuit finals. I think you're 11th in the Columbia River circuit right now. And that will get you to the circuit finals that could get you to Kissimmee. Is Kissimmee going to have, they sorted that detail out? Will Kissimmee count next year? No, it will not. As far as I know, Kissimmee, that's another thing that kind of sucks is that they're going to take a year off of accounting pretty much. And the way I understand it is the year after that, it will count again. So it also counts your bank account, but, uh, yeah, it's it's too bad that it doesn't count for the world standings. I think once they start that deal, they need to leave it. And, I mean, anything that's a PRXA rodeo might as well count for the world standings. Yeah, that's it's uh, interesting how it's changing and, and going back and forth, and who knows. Right. I, I can't seem to keep and, up. And then even for me, for, like, circuit finals, I've 
Pendleton, it's going to be exactly the last rodeo I go to and the exact amount of rodeos I had to go to to be eligible to make the circuit finals. Mm-hmm. Well, Brandon, he healed in July. He healed at some of the circuit rodeos, and so he doesn't even really have any money one heading anyway, so I won't be able to rope with Brandon at the circuit finals unless we were to win sure. five or 6000 of Pendleton next week, which hopefully we do. I say there's no reason this not far, to. I don't even know if this, we're, we're being heard that the healing rodeos count as a count for the heading to where if he does make it in the heading, he'll actually have his rodeo count because he healed it some, but we're not real sure on it. So gotcha. um, probably rope with Jake Stanley. Um, if he hadn't already got a partner at the circuit finals, uh, you know, it, depending on how Pendleton goes. So you're officially asking then, Jake Stanley on the score if he's going to rope with you at the circuit finals. That's good. We'll, we'll, <laughs> well, we already talked about it. We already okay. talked about it. <laughs> good. Okay. We talked about if Brandon, if Brandon didn't make it, that we would rope. So. Perfect. All right. Well, and then after that, we go back to uh, we go back to our just normal life out here of working, um, trying to get these blocks going. We're coming up with a block for Cattle Active and Zestera, which is going to be pretty neat. Have a salt block and a protein block that people can give their cattle, and and it'll have Cattle Active in it, or the same for your horse. We'll have Zestera in the blocks for your horses. So uh, that company is just booming right now. We're really growing. We're going through growing pains and. Uh, but it's a good thing, and we keep moving forward. And it's keeping me busy. I really like it. I'm going to take a minute to thank Best Ever Pads for bringing you today's episode of The Score. Best Ever Pads are a proud American product designed and made by people who pride themselves in their work. Each pad is 100% made in the USA and made to order. That includes top-grade wear leathers and spine reinforcement. Best Ever utilizes their creative expertise to provide an original, unique product that is on the cutting edge. Designed with insight and made with care results in a top quality product. It's Best Ever's mission to use 40 plus years of experience as cowboys and cowgirls to continue producing the highest quality, best looking saddle pads in the Western market. It's also their goal to have the best customer service and public relations in the industry. It's hard to believe that the brand has been making pads for over 14 years now. They're looking forward to making new acquaintances and continuing their relationships with current friends and customers. And they hope to see you at a show, ranch, or arena near you. For more information, visit besteverpads.com. When you were 21, 22, hustling to make the finals as a kid, did you think you would have a day job at this point of your career? Like, did a day job? You know, actually, I remember being that age and saying I was going to rodeo till I was 30. And (laughs) I did. I'm 31 now. Mm -hmm. So I guess I stuck to that word. But, no, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do, let alone find something this good, though. I've been very fortunate uh, to fall into what I fell into. And all I can thank is Matt Zankanella for that because he called me for the last few years trying to get me to go to work for him. And I'm glad I finally did because I got in at the right time. And, and it's something I, that as far as it's going to work for me financially for the rest of my life and as a job, I could have never pictured having something like this go this as well as it's going, I guess. So what does your day-to-day look like? Are you going to feedlots? Are you tell me about what, what a day yeah, in the life is? okay. My phone rings like 97,000 times a day, starting at about 6.30 in the morning, because my company is in uh, South Dakota, so when it's 6 o'clock in California, it's 8 o'clock where they're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so it starts off pretty early talking on the phone. I do that as well. I have reps that I manage that are out here in California and Oregon, and so I'm talking to them daily, and uh, then I'm 
I'm going around and I'm going to different places. Like, for example, tomorrow I'm going to Jordan Valley, Oregon to go do a producer's meeting. So there'll be a bunch of different ranchers gather at one place and we feed them a dinner and we tell them about our, our program and our product. And then the same with the next two days after that, I'll go to Idaho for a couple of days and I got to go visit uh, eight different feedlots over the course of two days. And then I'll transition and I'm going to go back to a rodeo cowboy next week and I'm going to rope the pelt in. The coolest thing about it though is every rodeo I go to, um, everybody has a horse and they have cattle and it's the, the word is starting to spread more about our program. So I get people that, that pursue me and want to hear about it. So everywhere I go, I'm always working. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. But when I'm at home, I'm basically going around to cow-calf operations and feedlots and talking to them guys. And and I got a few feed stores that I have on. You know, we're in over 300 feed stores now. So we went from being in less than 100 a year ago to now we have over 300. Wow. So, yeah, so it's just just keeping up with everybody and answering the phone and making sure their orders are right and getting mineral to them and making sure the trucks are there on time. And it's just a, a job process. Yeah, answering my panicked phone calls when I have a weanling colicking or an old horse colicking, and how much can I give them? So it seems yeah, exactly. it's been cool. It's been great for us. <laughs> uh, it's, and I, and I, I love answering them phone calls because usually they call me back an hour later, and they're like, thank you so much. You saved my horse, or you did this, you did that. And so yeah. it's, it's great to hear success stories from people. Now, talking back to the horses, you, where did your background in making cool horses come from? Because I feel like you've had your hands on a lot of really great famous horses, uh, Lil' Kim, Shakira. Was Slim Shady your other one's name, or am I just thinking of a rapper? Yeah. Slim Shady. No, yeah. Slim Shady. Okay. <laughs> um, and now, so wh- what, how did you grow up, and how did knowing horses and knowing good horse flesh come into your life? Well, I started off, I, I grew up. Uh, my, my parents are in the rodeo business, so they have four-star rodeo company. They put on pro rodeos all over the West Coast. And my dad roped calves and uh, rode bulls, which my mother would not, not let me go to the rough stock end of it, even though it was all in my backyard because we put on rodeos, which I'm glad she didn't. Uh, so my grandfather and my uncles, they all rope very well, and my dad does too. My whole family ropes good. So I started off just roping with them. Well, I lived right next door to my grandpa when I was a kid. My, my mom's dad, Cecil Nickel. And so I always had a pony, and I'd just ride across the pasture, and me and him would rope. Well, like in the summertime, if I didn't go to school, we would we would rope in the morning, and we'd go eat lunch, and then we'd go play some golf, and then we'd come back, and we'd rope again. Sounds sounds pretty rough, but it was, <laughs> it was a pretty good life. And it all started with a pony. I had a pony named Lucky, and Lucky was, to date, the greatest pony I've ever seen. And somebody would probably argue with me, but... He was little, like a real pony, and mm-hmm. he was the coolest pony in the world. You could He could run a 20 in the pole bending because he never had to really turn. He'd just go in a straight line, mm-hmm. and then he could slide, he'd slide eight feet, and you healed on him. And he was a real heel horse, but he was a pony. Are, wait, so wait, I started wait. off on, are a, there on videos? a good horse. Are there, videos and, are there videos and photos of you running poles on your pony that – could be. Oh, there's got to be some. Yeah, they're going to be so old, you know, that they're on the old school camcorder that you had to put on your shoulder. But, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, there's got to be some. I'm, I'm sure my mom's got some old pictures somewhere of them. I'm going to get your mom's phone number. But anyways, go on. That pony was so good that I rode him until I really couldn't ride him anymore. I rode him until I was almost 13 years old because I never wanted to get off of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, I finally graduated from him and I went through some horses and we, you know, bought them and trained them around and 
and kind of went through some growing pains. Well, that ended up with a couple of nice young horses that were from a ranch right there uh, where I grew up. And we bought them as two-year-olds. And uh, one of them, he was just a, he was just a good horse. He, we did every event on him, me and Brock and Spencer and Russell. We rode him at every amateur rodeo. I healed on him. We all roped calves on him. Spencer would head on him. Um, we hazed on him. He couldn't run very hard, but we got by on him. And he was just a great horse. But he wasn't. He didn't have the spark that it took to be a prairie horse. Well, then I had his half brother as well, and I kind of screwed him up at an early age because I took him to the amateur rodeos as a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and I was just being a kid. I was sixteen years old. And mm-hmm. He was a great horse, and if I'd had him in today's world, he was as fast as they came, and he could stop really hard. Well, I got him so short that by the time you took him to a jackpot rodeo when I was twenty. When the head rope went on, he just stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so we went to roping calves on him and actually sold him. Doug Clark sold him for us to Blair Burke. And then Blair Burke sold him for a lot of money to uh, Riley Pruitt. Mm-hmm. So he was a really nice horse. Well, backing up a step, the saw horse that we all rode, I traded that horse straight across for Slim Shady when I was 18. <laughs> and that horse... Slim Shady was one that made me because he was so much horse, more horse than I'd ever rode, more horse than I've ever rode to date. And I had to learn to be a better pilot to to operate that horse. And uh, once I got him going and whatnot, he was just amazing. I mean, he won Reserve World Champion Hill Horse in 2009 and did it all while being injured and was just tough. And he was an awesome horse, really was. But he got hurt too much because he tried so hard. Mm-hmm. And he tore four deep flexors and suspensories. I mean, he's done everything. And how big was so he? That he was horse, little, right? He was fourteen. He was fourteen one, but he weighed about eleven fifty. He was just mm-hmm. a tank, and he was lightning fast. He was one of the few horses you could like haze a steer on at Salinas, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was a game changer to me because he was so fast so athletic and stopped so hard and he, he he really towards the end of his career and i got better with my riding and roping and and he kind of calmed down he was almost too much horse there for a while he would literally heal the feet for you is how i <laughs> i put it into terms he would always have you in the right spot and make the corner perfect and it was just like throw and uh so that horse right there is what really gave me an idea of how a heel horse is supposed to work at the highest level there is and mm-hmm. And learning the things I had to do to make him, you know, he kind of wanted to do it on his own sometimes. And at first, he'd drop his shoulder and things like that. And I had to really make him work correct. And so then I got little Kim after him, or while I had him, and she was my backup the whole time that I had Slim Shady. Well, the reason little Kim got famous and whatnot got road more is because Slim Shady was always hurt. Mm-hmm. And so if he wasn't hurt, you know, he was he was better than her. Um, but she was the, as good of a backup as you could ask for. And so little little Kim, on the other hand, she was kind of a freak of nature. She kind of did it herself, and I just started her off with the basics. But that, that horse, she naturally had – she was bent, lifted in the shoulder, and always kept her nose tipped in, and she was always in the right spot at the right time. She wasn't the fastest horse in the world, but she would always get to where you needed to be. And, uh, and then Shakira, kind of the same thing, actually. She come from a good friend of mine. Uh, one of my best friends, J.C. Neeson, and, uh, you know, he showed her, like, ran in cow horse stuff and, and healed on her. And, and so she was already a heel horse. And all I had to do when I got her was just make her fit me and kind of take her to the next level. And that just required runs and, and just grew up in the smarty and just doing things the right way. And you? Um, so. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Uh, I was going to say, you've had to make some tough decisions to sell these good horses, though. I guess not Slim Shady, right? You still have him, or is he he's still around? No, yeah, I still got Slim. He's 20, and he's sound, and he's turned out, and I want to ride him so bad I can't take it, but I know as soon as I do, I'm going to hurt him again. So yeah. uh, he doesn't owe me anything, so he's turned out. But you have sold Little Kim. You've sold Shakira. Now, you sold Shakira just within the last year, and you're wanting to go rodeo again. Do you question that decision? Does it, do you miss her? Uh, yes, I do, and no, I don't at the same time. Because she's 14 years old, she's little, um, and I don't know, you know, her value wasn't going to increase if I kept her much longer, and I knew I wasn't going to rodeo this year, so it would have been... Yeah. financially dumb of me not to sell her at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, do I wish I had her right now? Yes. There's a lot of times I go to some of these rodeos where I just need an old campaign or heel horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, it is what it is. I got two six-year-olds now counting mine and Brandon's. So <laughs> I, there'll, be, there'll be seven next year when we show up, but they're going to be advanced, very advanced for seven-year-olds. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so no. that's, it's just kind of, yeah, it is what it is. And I've looked, it's just, you know how it is, it's hard. I mean, everybody's yeah. looking for the next seal horse. I'm, I'm not I'm not against paying some money to have one that's 10 years old or 11 years old that's, that I can just load in the trailer and count on it to operate every time. But I'm starting to get that way with my little Roan. I mean, yeah, she's a little bit green still, but she's, I think by next year, will be good enough. Now, are you a huge fan, like all in on the ring cowhorse rejects, or what's your preference? Yes, I am. My thought process on a cutting horse versus a rain cow horse is a cutter never learns to run, and um, and they use their front end a little bit more than a rain cow horse. Where mm-hmm. a rain cow horse, they learn to take cattle down the wall, and they have to open up and run, and then have to use their butt and turn the cow back so it's kind of similar to healing to me is they got to get around the cow they've got to slide around the corner and turn in and like slim shady that was why he was always so strong is going down the arena you 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 get caught pulling on him well he wanted to get to their head if you would let him get up there he would stop he would just idle right there but just from being a raining cow horse he that was where he naturally wanted to go Mm -hmm. which worked out pretty neat because i could be late and he was so fast and he wanted to get there so i could be late and just let the reins go to him and away he'd go and he'd get around there yeah. so for me that's where I'm, I'm always shopping all of those horses that we've talked about every one of mine has all been a raining cow horse yeah um little kim on the other hand they did cut on her some but uh she was kind of an exception for it but she did both mm-hmm. but as far as me when i go shopping that's what i shop for is raining cow horses because they already know how to run they already know how to slide stop and turn mm-hmm. yeah they so you kind of them. already have a corner establish there a little bit you just got to back them off as far as like oh, we're not going to get this close we're not going to run past him we're going to stay here but for me I had a lot better luck with raining cow horses gotcha absolutely now have you been watching the world standings I, this is going to come out um on thursday early in september have you been watching it at all Who, who's your pick on the bubble right now well just just a little bit um I kind of looked at it last week because I was up there in Ellensburg. To be honest with you, I hadn't looked at it really at all, mm-hmm. other than a couple of my friends, you know, seeing where they're at here and there. But I know that Teddy Kirschenslager did a great job last week at Ellensburg. I think he was 16th before that, and he came come in there and won it. Yeah. I think he secured his spot, which is great. Tate's an awesome guy. I'm very happy for him. And 
as far as uh, the other guys, man, I don't know. I don't want to say any names. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for Spencer. I hope he can pull it off. He's got some work to do, but I hope he can do it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's 18th right now with 58,000 as of as of Wednesday, September 4th. He is he is eight, yep. or 18th. Yeah. So, oh man, it's yeah. So he needs to win because 18th is the same as as 50th. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. But 58,000 um, is. I mean, a Pendleton win could could do great things. So it's hard to say. You never know until it's over, yeah, and that's, Pendleton decides a lot of it. It's kind of the tour finale nowadays, Wings. We don't have Omaha's big money at the end. Yeah, man, Omaha, those were the days. Things are different now, for those sure. Those were the days. That's, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I wish that the PRC, I hope the PRC is listening. We need Piallup and Omaha back the way it used to be. You could go to Omaha the end of September and win 30000 That was pretty neat. Yeah, Omaha, to me, and, and I don't have a... A strong opinion as far as the PRCA administrative, the way it. I just remember Omaha was like the crown jewel, the exclamation point at the end of the season. Like, it was like the playoffs or the AFC championship game, or you know, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. When I made the, when I made the NFR, Blaine Lineweaver, so I wrote up with the NFR, and we go to Omaha, and it was kind of the last rodeo. Well, I, I I had the finals made pretty much from the guys that were entered there. Nobody could really pass me, I, and so. Lynn Weaver, he tells me he's like 15,000 out of making the finals or 12,000, whatever it was. And before mm-hmm. the rodeo even starts, he's like, hey, you want to rope at the NFR? And I kind of look at him funny, <laughs> and I was like, well, you got to make it first. Well, you know how Blaine is. He's, mm-hmm. he's got what you got to have. He's got confidence. He had Rick Skelton Hill for him over there, and he's like, oh, I'm going to make it. Well, surely he wins 25 grand, wins Omaha, and makes it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it- that was that was where Omaha was pretty neat. Absolutely. Even the, just just doing my job, now the last week of the season, I have to pay attention to, like, 50 rodeos. Not 50, but, like, sure enough, 10, and worry about who's doing what and where everybody's rodeo count is. It used to be nice because we would just go to Omaha and watch it in person kind of all unfold and, and know what was getting done, and it, it was great. And there was always a really cool story out of Omaha, somebody that, that did their job and... and executed so yeah it was, right. it was a different day. Oh, no, i kind of miss it I, it'd be cool if we could get it back to being a tour finale again yeah it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun well that's what i'm hoping for my, and, and my and my goal for me and brandon next year mm-hmm. would be to uh, like everybody else go to 40 rodeos to make the nfr which is virtually impossible but you know you never know kyle lockett i was gonna say <laughs> yeah <laughs> kyle lockett definitely um Showed everybody how you can do it. Are, did you guys go to any American qualifiers? Or are you? No, we haven't done anything as far as that goes yet. No. Gotcha. We need to. We, we, we're going to need to go to some this fall. Yeah, absolutely. Somehow. Because they they're going to give somebody a lot of money like they did Coleman and Ryan. Might as well be you. I know they are. Yeah, yeah might as well be. They're going to have to give it to someone. Yep. <laughs> Might as well be. And if be. you can get in on the qualifying part of it, you get it all, like Ryan and Coleman. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Justin, no, I so will. That's our plan. That's awesome. I can't wait to see you guys out there, and I will let you get back to calling on feedlots and doing your day job because I really appreciate talking to you all the time. So I thanks so much, Justin. Anytime, Chelsea. <laughs> all right. Have a good trip. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you to Justin for visiting with us, for taking the time today. And before we go, I want to let you know, you've got to check out the Ride Podcast. 
It's by Horse and Rider Magazine. It's one of our sister magazines, and I think you're really going to enjoy the profiles that they've got coming out this month. There's some really fun stories, horse stories about amazing horses, about amazing horsemen, and what they've done to help drive the horse industry forward. I think there's a lot of overlap in team roping, so you'll get to learn more. So thank you all. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I did, and we will talk to you next week. Remember, Best Ever Pads sponsored this episode of The Score with Justin Davis. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Best Ever Pads and online at besteverpads.com. To call their office and place an order, it's 805-528-8009.